This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Reggie Wayne, and you're listening to the Eye Test for Two. of the eye test for two i'm clark judge i'm ira kaufman and we are hall of fame voters joined today as we are each week by our hall of fame producer and las vegas card shark mr ian glendon now last time we spoke which is last week ian was headed to vegas to try his hand at what i thought was the world series of poker except informed sources tell me that didn't exactly happen ian what did uh, I went out there to go make sure I wasn't going to make a fool of myself when I actually go out and play in the World Series of Poker. The uh, the buy-ins while I was out there was it was a little bit out of my price range. Let's just put it that way. Oh, so are you going back or no? Yes, yes. Uh, a week from Monday, I will make my triumphant debut at one wow. of the events. Event number forty-four, I believe, uh, which is uh, you know close to close to Tom Brady's age uh, to say the least but I'm excited and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens and uh, you know if I win maybe maybe we'll all get raises here at the eye test for two. Oh, whoa hey Ira did you hear that uh, go go get him tiger go get him. <laughs> I, I, Ira you may make my pay level then <laughs> hey, so speaking Ira of Tom, speaking of Tom Brady Clark, what, what, speaking yeah, of Tom Brady yeah but I'm gonna ask you I'm, you're getting ahead of me you're getting ahead of me I'm gonna ask you because you had a much shorter trip Ira you had a much. You went on a trip too, but you went across town. You you're, you're just back. I think you're just back in your uh, home. You attended the Tampa Bay Bucks first mandatory minicamp. Now, I assume you were there because it was mandatory. So the sage has to be there for minicamp. Um, so, Ira, I will now ask you since you mentioned Tom Brady, what's the bigger story this week? Tom Brady or Todd Bowles? Tom Brady. Um, and the bigger story is uh, we've been through two out of the three days of mandatory. It ends on Thursday, and we haven't spoken to number 12 yet. We're supposed to get him tomorrow, Mr. Judge. And if he doesn't do it tomorrow, we won't see him for another seven weeks. You're the sage of Tampa. Nobody disses you like that. Come on. Nobody. Put your foot down. I got Brady's cell phone, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to barrage him. If he doesn't show up in public, I'll ask my questions. And, Clark, you know me well enough to know this. I ain't going to ask him about his golf match with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no. <laughs> I got some better questions on my, yeah, on my I hope mind. They, I hope they don't have to do with his underwear. Uh, <laughs> now, here's my question for you. Who goes farther this year, the Lightning, the Rays, or the Bucks? Well, the, light, the Lightning are going to the finals because I think your Rangers are done. Clock. I'm sorry to say. My Rangers. I, I'm a Canadians fan. I'm a last Canadian place guy. Fan. I'm a last place guy. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I think the Bucks are going to go 11 and six and 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 win one playoff game. So I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I believe will lose to Colorado in the final. Okay, the mark final. that down, Ian. Mark that down. Um, well, um, like you guys, I also went on a trip last week, but as you know, it wasn't 
it wasn't as long as Ian's, but it was uh, a lot longer than Ira's. I took a two-hour train ride into New York City, where I did see Jim Ursay's collection, the Jim Ursay collection. And and Ira, I, I will be honest with you, I didn't see you there. I, I was looking at the uh, you know the guest list. I didn't see you on the guest list, so uh, I guess you I was think. looking. I, I, it was a rerun of Shit's Creek on uh, that night. <laughs> oh, <my gosh>. Okay, <laughs> that's where they told me we, we could find you. Anyway, Clark, um, Clark did uh, did Ursay say that he enjoyed going on our podcast? Clark? I didn't get I didn't get to him because I you couldn't reach him. He had too many people, but he did. Kept texting me and then said, you should have come backstage. Well, I was told I couldn't come backstage. I did have a backstage pass. But he said, you should have come backstage. I would have talked to you. I would have loved to catch up. But anyway, he did say in the text message, you love being on the show. Because everybody was, loves was, being on the, the show. That was the oh, unreal. It was unreal. Honestly, it's it's hard to describe. Guitars galore. You would appreciate it. Um, David Gilmore, Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Pete Townsend, George Harrison. A number of guitars. I would say like 12, 13, Bob Dylan on the wall and then the original manuscript from Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Um, so many things, historical items, Abraham Lincoln's cane, the wanted poster for John Wilkes Booth, Beatles drum kit. It was astonishing how uh, broad the, the collection was. Did you recognize had, anybody wandering around? Clark? Yeah, anybody? yeah, I recognized Natalie Merchant. She was singing. Um, yeah, but Roger Goodell was there. I didn't get to talk to him. Pete Abitani, uh, he was there, talked to him for a long time. Jeff Pash, talked to him for a long time. So a lot of people there who I really liked and, and had missed for years, but. It was a great event. Really, really enjoyed it, Ira, despite the fact that you weren't there. Well, anyway, Ira, we are not the only ones who are on the move. Nope, because last week, Hall of Fame voter and the APs, that's Associated Press's national pro football writer, Barry Wilner, announced his retirement after 46 years, I think. I think he started there in 1976. But if you don't know the name, you really should. I mean, people, you really should, because Barry basically handled every pro football story out of New York. He oversaw the AP's annual all-pro teams. He handled the AP's weekly rankings. And Ira, I saw that he authored 67 books. That's what it says on Google, 67 books. So Barry, the obvious question, how did you find the time to do 67 books? I hate to disappoint you, but it's actually up to 75 now. Oh, oh no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. In, including the book I did with Mike Westhoff, which is uh, just out now. Um, finding the time wasn't that hard because I write pretty quickly. And a lot of those books are kids' books. And those are actually a lot of fun to do. And they're not long books. I could do, I could do one in a couple of weeks sometimes, depending on whether there's any interviewing to do. But I've done about... 25 books that you would consider for adult audience. Some of them I did in Rappaport, um, so we kind of uh, split the uh, duties. Many of them anthologies, which are a little bit easier to write. But look, guys, just like both of you, I love to write. Right. And uh, I love the reporting and the uh, research. And uh, I think that uh, through the years, it became almost... Um, a joyful thing to do. And, and aside from what I did at the AP, obviously. Yeah, I, I will look forward to that Mike Westoff book. He was the first special teams coach I ever covered. That was at the Baltimore Colts in 1982. And then I saw him all the time in New York City when I lived there. I'd see him on the streets and talk to him. Boy, extremely sharp guy. Anything you want to know about special teams, are, <laughs> he had an answer for you. He was great. Um, Barry, the, the also an obvious question. Um, what made you decide to retire and why now? Actually, guys, I had uh, thought about retiring at the beginning of 2020, and then what hit the pandemic, and I did not want to retire during the pandemic. So I waited 
and I wanted to get to another Super Bowl, a real Super Bowl with fans and um, all the um, side events that some of us hate and some of us enjoy. I think Ira hates most of them. <laughs> um, and so I decided that it would be this year. And originally I, I thought I might stick it out uh, until late August, but I had so much vacation time and the weather's just been gorgeous here in New York, as you know, Clark. Yep. Uh, so I just decided let right now. Clark, I, you know, I look at Barry as a contemporary because I started in 1976 with United Press, the late great UPI, which was the rival at that time. Barry, congrats. 46-year career. Fantastic. Yeah, congratulations, um, Barry, most memorable event since 76 and most memorable athlete that you encountered. Well, I may disappoint you guys because this is a football podcast, but neither of those answers will be football. Is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. The most memorable event is the 1999 Women's World Cup. That's the greatest team I ever covered. They understood their mission. They understood that they were trailblazers. They were incredibly cooperative. They were a great team. Uh, before A few months before that event started, my boss, Terry Taylor, who was probably – the most influential woman in sports for 20 years uh, as the editor of the uh, sports editor of the AP had asked me how popular do I think this will be? And I said, I think it's going to be very popular because she wasn't sure I needed to follow the team around. And we did so. And as you know, they sold out every game. Uh, they sold out the Rose Bowl with President Clinton there for the championship game. And it was just the most incredible event over a period of three weeks that I've ever covered. Uh, and I've covered World Cups, Olympics, Super Bowls, Stanley Cup Finals, all of those. So that clearly, to me, will always be number one. And the, the top athletes, and I was just actually emailing with both of them. I think you both know that I've covered figure skating, right. which I know is a crazy combination, football and figure skating. And the most impressive people I've ever met in sports are Scott Hamilton and Michelle Kwan. Um, if you want a football answer for that, I'd have to say Curtis Martin, uh, the classiest player I've ever met. Barry, uh, here's a question that I think uh, might, might catch you going the wrong way, but I think it's interesting. Barry, starting in 76 and, and when you started covering events, um, talk about the different technologies are been through starting with basically picking up a phone and starting to dictate stories and then take it right up to today, how you transmitted your, your copy. Well, Ira, before I came to the AP, I worked at the New York Daily News and I was uh, a dictationist there. So I would actually take dictation from the likes of Dick Young and the other people who covered sports uh, at the Daily News. And then it would, I would pass it over to an editor and then it would thumb thumb. Once I started covering sports um, in 77, I did some coverage of the, the Bronx Zoo Yankees, 77, 78. I would bring a portable typewriter with me, not even an electric one. And I would type out my story on there and we would, we would uh, use a photocopy machine, which was you know like a fax machine and send it over to the New York office where it could be then uh, put out on the wire, or we would dictate, as you said, Ira. Um, I always enjoyed the dictation, actually, if the person on the other end of the line 
was um, doing a good job. Sometimes you wonder if they fell asleep when we were here and you dictate though. <laughs> and you came over to the uh, to the trash eighty, right, uh, Barry? Remember, remember those? Um, God, I, I have a story with that that um, most journalists would shudder at. Uh, you guys remember? The, I don't know if either of you were at the game, the greatest comeback in playoff history. The uh, Bills hosting the Oilers, and I had that Radio Shack um, where you only had two screens, and you had to shut down one screen to go to the other screen. So there I am sitting writing two different stories: one with the Oilers holding on, and one with the Bills making the most incredible comeback ever, and just having to switch back and forth between the two stories. And that machine, Ira, was not a friend to the journalist. <laughs> Barry, let me ask you something, because if you're talking about machines, my favorite machine of all time was the Teleram. Did you ever deal with one of those? Yes. Actually, I had to carry one of those around when I first started covering hockey in the... In 80, I remember how difficult it was to get into Canada with it because they wanted, they thought it was a piece of luggage. Yeah. It was and they big. wanted it checked because it was so big. But people who don't know, uh, Clark, how would you describe it? It looks like a piece of luggage, right? It looks like a piece of luggage and it weighed, a, it, it, I, I would think it weighed something like 20 pounds or something. It was heavy. I mean, you, you know, when you put that in the overhead rack, <laughs> it was like bodybuilding. <laughs> and then you had to stick the phone into it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny, Barry. I, I've got a great story about that. I, lived, I was out in the West Coast when I was doing that, covering the Chargers. And we're with Barry Wilner, former AP writer, Barry Wilner. I was out in the uh, West Coast covering the Chargers. And so the draft is going. And the draft at 8 o'clock, of course, in San Diego is 5 a.m. And I was working for an evening paper. And we had our first deadline, I think, was 8 in the morning. Um, and so the Chargers make their pick. I put the phone into the coupler. And the guy from the Chargers starts disconnecting lines and he disconnected me. I went, what did you do? And he goes, let's pull the plug. I said, you pulled the plug on my story. He goes, big deal. Just plug it back in. I said, no, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> oh, my God, Clark. <laughs> those are the old days. I mean, those are the old days. But a very a question I, I do have for you along those lines is um, what was the toughest part of your job, whether it goes back to those days or even if it goes back a couple of months, what was the toughest part of that job? Was it the deadlines? Yeah. And you know, you get used to it at the AP, the deadlines, because we're always on deadline. Yeah. But the fact that we had to have a story out on the wire within three to five minutes after a game ended, unless it was something really crazy, that was a struggle early on. And you learn to deal with that. You learn to put a lot of background from early in the game in it. So you fill out a story. Uh, but the biggest problem would be if it was a crazy game, a game that went to overtime, uh, getting down to the locker rooms yeah. would be a, a real problem. And thankfully, we usually had a stringer with us at games to, to go and get some quotes. But that would usually be the most difficult uh, thing to deal with. Barry, you wrote, I'm estimating conservatively, five to 10,000 stories for the Associated Press and Barry, you're not going to look me in the eye over this Zoom call and tell me that not one single time you did not draw a blank on deadline and had a problem coming up with a lead. It had to have happened. Well, again, our, we had the advantage of we could do straight leads on stories, game stories. We could do a straight lead and not have to do what the AP calls the optional lead, uh, which right. would be 
more of an entertaining uh, type of league. Um, so we had that advantage. And usually you just can do the facts. It's almost like writing a box score in a way, but then you can, for lack of a better word, fancy it up a little bit later. Uh, but Ira, you, you totally underestimate. I, I wrote way more than 10,000 stories because I would write these little, what they call blivets at times, which is just, you know, almost like a little press release story that would go out. And Ira, I never figured it out, but I would guess I edited close to a million stories at the oh. AP. Oh. Oh, Barry, talk a little bit about um, the Olympics as an event, uh, Barry, working within a team. Um, tell me how many people the, the AP would send in, in the 80s and 90s to these different places. And uh, what, what, uh, what do you remember most about the Olympics? Well, the, as for Olympic coverage, the AP would always send more people than almost anybody but the TV network because we needed to cover every sport. Um, eventually, some of the what they would call minor sports would get incorporated on one desk. But for me, with the Winter Olympics, it was hockey in 1984, and then it was figure skating right through until uh, right through the 2018 uh, games. And I would work the desk often at the summer games, which I really enjoyed because it allowed me to go out and see some different sports before I would sit down and, and do editing. Um, and my favorite Olympics, unquestionably, was Lillehammer, which is like Fantasyland or Fairyland, some people call it. Um, we got to see the Northern Lights when we were in Lillehammer, which was very cool. Um, my favorite summer games would have been probably uh, Sydney, just for the fact of getting to Australia. Um, and they were very cool, Ira, but um, they weren't my favorite event outside the NFL. And, and my favorite event was the World Cup uh, because of the nationalism uh, that's shown as long as it's done peaceful, peacefully. Um, that, that to me is the ultimate sports event. Barry, were you, were you covering the um, Winter Olympics, the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding Winter Olympics? <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a good story for that one, too. Um, yeah, I, I covered that. Um, and uh, the odd thing was when Nancy and um, Tanya were first going to skate together, it was going to be in this really small rink, not in the main rink in Lillehammer, actually in Hamar, which was about a half hour drive from Lillehammer. And our editor, I mentioned her before, Terry Taylor, she, she wanted our columnist to go uh, to that. And it wound up being just a crush of media. You can imagine. Right. It was like, go, remember when we would go downstairs for Super Bowl interviews and they'd, they'd be what, 600 people down there. Yeah, right. It was just this crush in the small area. So I, I was sitting in the main, um, main arena in the press box with Scott Hamilton, who was doing TV then, and listening to him make fun of everything that was going on while the two of them were skating. You know, are they going to crash together? Are they going to drop the gloves? Making all kinds of ho hockey references. It was hilarious. And um, thankfully, I, I wasn't involved very much in that first time. Uh, but that was that might be the strangest story I've ever covered. Have you ever got, guys ever covered anything as strange as that? Well, I did a few... Uh... I did a few, um, you know, buck seasons that ended two and 14, uh, Wilmer. That, that, that's right out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I covered the 08 and 1 Baltimore Colts in 82, but nothing compared to the Kerrigan and Arnie feud. 
I got one more, Cluck. I got one more for our, our guest here. Um, and, and he's going to enjoy this question, Clark. Um, Barry, we're going to give you the floor for a couple of minutes. Uh, and we'll pick a uh, New York Jet because you did cover the Jets over a long period of time, Barry. Or somebody else high on your list. But, Barry, give me a senior or two that um, that does their day in court uh, to get into Canton. Well, that's pretty easy for me. Um, and it doesn't have much for me, much to do with me covering the Jets. But I think Joe Klecko, and I've, I've campaigned a bit for him before. I think Joe Klecko belongs in Canton. I think the fact that he made all pro at three different positions, that he was such a dominant player. And, you know, guys, we always talk about length of career, and I know his length of career is not up there, but neither is Tony Vaselli, and we finally got him in. Neither was Terrell Davis, we got him in. So, absolutely, to me, uh, Joe Klecko uh, belongs in the Hall of Fame, and maybe someday we'll see him get in Ira. So, Barry, I'm going to ask you something sort of dovetailing on Ira's question earlier. He was asking about your favorite um, individual to cover in sports writing. I'm going to ask you about your favorite New York professional athlete, any sport, any sport. Who is your favorite? Who would be the first guy, woman, individual you would pick as your favorite interview? Well, my favorite person would be Curtis Martin, as I mentioned before, Yeah, because he was always available. He had such great insight, um, a real team player, uh, a great player. We finally got him in the Hall of Fame. I think it was three tries before he, he got in. Um, and uh, ju just a class individual. So he would certainly be way up there. Um, I, you know, I can go back to when I covered hockey. And uh, I covered those New York Islanders teams that won four yeah. straight Stanley Cups. And they had some really class guys, including the late Mike Bossy, um, who was a terrific interview. The, the shocking thing about Mike Bossy, guys, was you'd go into the locker room and he'd be sitting at his stall smoking a cigarette, always. The guy was, I wouldn't say he was a chain smoker, but can you imagine playing hockey, a sport like that? And I can see a golfer being a smoker, but a hockey player? Yeah. He, he was another guy, Clark. Yeah, I remember the uh, Len Dawson story? I think it was a Super Bowl. I'm not sure if it was a Super Bowl. Maybe it was a Pro Bowl. I don't know. We had a cigarette at halftime or something. He did. He did. Whoa, whoa, oh, my gosh. And, of course, it's Barry Switzer, I think, with the hot dog on the sidelines of the Pro Bowl. Right. Um, uh, what are you, you going to miss the most, Barry? What are you going to miss the most about uh, covering the sports day today? Guys like you and women like you, I'm going to miss my comrades. I'm still going to go to the Hall of Fame inductions, Good. my favorite event to cover. I'll miss just hanging out with, with people and telling stories and hearing their stories more than anything. Um, I, I know I, I won't miss the um, uh, lack of access we have now. Uh, I think that has become very difficult and especially in, in football. I won't miss certain coaches. I won't mention which ones, but Ira certainly knows which ones. <laughs> Barry, um, you're going to stick, you're going to stick on the hall of fame committee, Barry. Yes, absolutely. And I've been added to another committee, uh, the coaching contributor committee. And it's a, just the right year for me because one person I campaigned for in uh, 2020 when we did the special class was Art McNally. And I'm so glad that Art McNally is going in this year. Yeah, me too. Um, last one for you, Bear. Um, obvious question. Next move. What, what are you going to do from now on? You write more books? Maybe. Uh, I'm going to 
see my grandkids a lot. My grandson was just bar mitzvahed. So um, I have three grandkids I'll spend a lot of time with. Uh, I'll still teach. I'm going to be teaching at Fordham University. Wow. Uh, well, that's great. Yeah. And um, I've been teaching for a while, but now I'm moving over to Fordham. What are you, what are you teaching? Sports communications. And um, I bring in people for public relations and marketing and stuff. But the journalism, social media, things like that, I handle myself. And um, I'll be doing some freelance work, um, but I'll do it on my schedule. And mm-hmm. that'll be the best part of it. I won't have to worry about a 11, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. shift five days a week. I'm available for an appearance fee. That, that's what I was going to ask you. When are you asking Kaufman to afford him? Well, you know what, I, I hate to say this, but Clark lives in New York. He's got more chance of being a guest than you do. <laughs> Just gets that train two hours down the tracks, baby. <laughs> it's funny. I, w- I spoke to a class there once on uh, at a request of Ryan Rucco, who was then a student. And now Ryan Rucco is everywhere in New York sports and doing WNBA basketball. Very well. Known. Thanks so much for the time. Um, we'll see you in Canton this summer, and don't be a stranger. We'll, we'll contact you again. You bet, guys, and it's been my pleasure. You guys are two of the giants of our industry, so keep it up. Thanks, Barry. Yeah, congratulations, Barry. Congratulations. That was Hall of Fame voter and former AP writer Barry Wilner, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I never got how they did it at the wire services. A deadline every minute, and that, I, I couldn't do it. That Your question was good, because I thought he must have missed a deadline. Didn't sound like he did, but the deadline every you had to write so quickly said three to five minutes three to five minutes takes me three to five minutes to come up with a lead you know clark he 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 was a giant i mean uh it is and still is yeah he worked with dave goldberg you know uh to produce the nfl copy um and clark anytime there was a major story uh he had to uh he had to write it and um no matter what team was involved and uh 46 years, just incredible, Clark. Um, and he did it very well. You know, he, he was stylish. He was, that's and right. That, that's not easy with a wire service. It's not easy. No, that's right. 46 years and over 70 books. Oh, that's astounding. Oh, they love it. They love it, Ira. But apparently, that's not what they're for. They're cheering from you because they say comes and they want to know. Where were you? When were you? Yeah, it's I was there, Ira, so go to it. Clark, I got a little surprise for you. I, I don't think you probably realized it. Today is a special day. It's an anniversary, Clark. 56 years. June 8th, 1966 was an announcement in the 100 and whatever year history of the National Football League. It's one of the top five announcements in league history. And that was, Clark, the NFL-AFL merger. Oh, wow. You're right. June 8th, 1966. And, um, you know, Pete Rosell established as the commissioner. Three teams from the NFL had to go over to the AFL. Um, so, Clark, in, in honor of Lamar Hunt, who was one of, you know, the uh, founder of the American Football League. Clark, I'm going to go back to January 16th, 1994. And it was a great moment for Lamar Hunt and his Chiefs. Because they met the Oilers in a playoff game, Clark, in the Astrodome. Yes, the Astrodome. And Houston was a seven-point favorite. Clark, they started one and four under Jack Pardee that year and won their last 11 games. I, re- I was there. I was at that game. So they're 12 and four, and they're playing the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have Joe Montana. That's right. Under right. center. 
So KC falls behind 10-0, Clark. They end up winning the game 28-20. They advance to the AFC title game where they, they got ripped by the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo had a heck of a team. It was Montana's last playoff win, Clark. He played one more year, and they lost in the uh, first playoff game to Miami. Anyway, Warren Moon was sacked nine times, Clark, nine times. Um, And Derek Thomas led the charge. Montana, 299 yards, three touchdowns. And it was probably the last great gasp for Joe Montana. Um, But, you know, to say he was a bum in a chief uniform, that's not true. No, no, not even close. I mean, I covered the the, uh, 49ers in 94 first year. So that was the next year, uh, 94, Uh, even though that game was in 94 as a playoff game. But the next regular season. The 49ers go into Kansas City, Steve Young versus Joe Montana. A lot of hype about that, and he won that ball game. And it was a big deal for Kansas City and for Joe Montana. I'll never forget his wife, Jennifer, came into the press conference afterwards, stood maybe five, ten yards away from George Seifer just watching him and, and listening to everything he said. And I thought, eh, I'm not so, so sure she should be here. It's kind of like, you know, you let the great guy go. But we know what happened that year. Um, you're right, Montana didn't go to the Super Bowl. 49ers did Steve Young and Clark. They used to say about Lamar Hunt that um, his phone number's in the phone book. Well, you know what, Clark? That was true. Yeah, sure. Sure. I needed him one time for a, uh, it was an anniversary of the merger, you know, maybe 40 years or whatever it was. And I called him and and he picked up the phone, Clark. He, he, he was a giant. He was into tennis. He was into everything, Clark. It reminds me that quickly. I'm just (laughs) <laughs> sort of go to a story I heard from Vito Stellino, who was a Hall of Fame voter and um, legendary writer. But when he was in Baltimore and I was with him in the early 80s, he was covering the NFL. And, and so he calls Bud Grant during the playoffs because he, he's trying to get a, a story out of Bud Grant. Couldn't get him with the Vikings. So he calls his home because his home number was listed. His wife answers the phone and Vito said, yeah, yeah, I'm looking for Bud Grant. You know, that's been Bud, Bud there. And, and she goes. Yeah, he's here, um, but, but he's indisposed. And he said, Vito said, oh, I'm sure uh, he's busy looking at film. Have him call me when, you, when he can, okay? And she said, he's not looking at film. He's painting the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and did he call, did he call Vito he back? He called him back. He called him back. Fantastic. He called him back. That's sort of one of those believe it or don't, which now causes me to segue into a quick believe it or don't, because I'm going to ask you guys, about three things that I saw this week, three statements that I saw, and, and you're either going to believe it or you don't. And so I'm going to quiz each one of you, and I'll start with Ian. This one comes from Cam Newton, who said, quote, if you think I couldn't be on somebody's team right now, you're a damn fool, unquote. Believe it or don't? Uh, depends on which in what capacity. I mean, let's be real. As a starting quarterback, probably not. As a backup, uh, are there 64 guys in this league that are better than him? Probably not. Um, but I, I think at a certain time, too, you hit a certain age, you hit a certain uh, uh, ability, it's just it's it's over, and I, I think that's what it's for Cam right now. So I would say yeah, I no. Think, I don't think he would like your response because he said, are there 32 quarterbacks better than me? No, which suggests he's looking for a starting job. Ira, if you think well, I couldn't be on somebody's team right now, you're a damn fool. What do you think? Clark, if, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick can last 17 years out of Harvard uh, as a backup quasi-starter, uh, so can Cam Newton. 
but I think Ian's point is right. He, he's no longer a starting NFL quarterback. I knew you guys were not damn fools. I knew that. And speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick, I already segue into this one. Quote, I think Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback to ever live. Unquote. Clark, I, I reject it. Um, if you're going by league MVP awards, he's correct. He's correct. Manning's got five of them. Nobody else does. He's got five. Brady's trying to get to four. I think Rodgers has four, um, and Brady's trying to reach Rodgers. But Manning sits alone at five. However, and uh, this is music to Ian's ears. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> you know, Brady's accomplishments are just, they're unassailable, Clark. I know we love Otto Graham. Yes, we do. Uh, we ne- I never saw him play, but I mean, Brady stands alone. Ian, you're going to disagree? Absolutely not. And look, I have all the respect in the world for Peyton Manning. Anyone who's ever heard me speak about Peyton Manning, I, I've said in my lifetime of watching football, there's not one player that I've ever feared out, you know, never having to go up against Brady or whatever. There's no other player I feared my team going up against than Peyton Manning. But to Ira's point, um, he may have a five to three MVP lead, but you could realistically see Tom Brady end his career having four times, four times as many Super Bowl victories. Right. So I'm, I'm with you guys. In fact, I once wrote, not that long ago, but once wrote, that you could argue that Peyton Manning is not even the greatest quarterback of his franchises. John Unitas, I take him over Peyton Manning. John Elway, I take him over Peyton Manning, too. I don't wow. think that endeared me to Peyton Manning. Okay, last one. Aaron Rodgers, who says he's definitely, definitely wants to finish his career with the Green Bay Packers. His quote, I'm focused on this season. Ian, I'm focused on this season. I'm never going to drag it out in the offseason. What? Never drag it out. Isn't that who he is? Anyway, I'm going to ask you, believe it or don't. Uh, I, I believe that he's focused on next season, but I, I do not believe that he won't drag this out if he feels that it's necessary because we, we just saw it happen, the not just during the offseason, but during the entire season itself. Oh, I don't know if I'm coming back. You know, is Rodgers upset with the management? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, we're, we're going to see that again until he hangs it up. Clark, right. I give him six, six days into training camp. <laughs> Um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, <laughs> Christian Watson's going to drop a couple of balls over the middle, and Rodgers is going to say, where the hell is Devontae Adams? So I'm out of here. I give him six days. But. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why he is the sage of Tampa. Okay, our final thoughts. Final thoughts is I'm still getting over not being invited to that damn, <laughs> that damn event last week. It sounds fantastic. Um, and if I was there, I would have got backstage over there, Judge. I, yeah, I you, prob- you, you probably would. But, you know, first things first, you better get an interview with Tom Brady this week, all right? <laughs> hey, my final thought is on the guy we just mentioned, the, the Amish rifle, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He announced his retirement after 17 years, 17 years and nine teams, including your Tampa Bay Bucks, Ira. And the thing about Ryan I love is that wherever he went, he was, he was always the subject of conversation. If it's tragic, if it's magic, he always made things happen. And, and, and now he's gone, and I'm sad that he is. But people may not know he holds the NFL record for most TD passes and most yards, passing yards, without a postseason appearance. I think that's pretty good for an econ major from Harvard. Plus, nice. 223 nice. touchdown passes, most by any Ivy League quarterback. And one last piece of probably useless information, he's the only quarterback 
in NFL history to face one opponent. And that opponent would be the Jacksonville Jaguars with six different teams. <laughs> he was a well-traveled <laughs> man. Anyway, that's going to do it. If you'd like to listen to this or any I test for two podcast, just go to fullpresscoverage.com. Click on the podcast icon. And then, or what do you do? You pull down. What do you pull down from that? The I test for two clock. It's very simple. Very, very simple. simple. Very simple. And if you don't want to do that, well, then tune in next week. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you then.